Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. 720 WGN, thanks for joining us. Karen Conti is our legal eagle partner at Conti and Dolan and always willing to jump on with us and answer some of our legal questions. Of course, Robert Cremo third, um, the suspect of the shooting of the Highland Park massacre on the 4th of July, is incarcerated. His dad was expected to go to trial today. And Karen, were you... Were you surprised that he took a guilty plea right before they were getting ready? Not really. You know, this happens all the time. The pressure is on. You're going to trial. You could spend time in jail. You could get a felony. And the parties come to the table and they try to work something out. And, you know, it's pretty clear the prosecutor here wanted to make a statement to the public that if you're going to sponsor your kid, you know, in a gun situation, you better make sure that that child is is not mentally ill and does not have problems. And I think it was a good message. And by getting that guilty plea, he avoids uh, trial, they avoid an appeal, and um, he can make a statement that beware parents and and make sure your kids are okay. So did he know when uh, the plea was entered that he'd be incarcerated for 60 days? Usually the deal is made with all of the elements of the arrangement, and the judge can or cannot, doesn't have to uh, accept it. In this case, looks like the judge did. So he's going to do 60 days in jail. He'll plead guilty to seven misdemeanors rather than felonies. He'll do 100 hours of community service and two years of probation. He also has to turn over his FOIA card and agree not to sponsor any minors uh, for, for, for guns in the future. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty significant plea bargain. What does yeah, it mean? And so will he be incarcerated in the exact same jail where his son is being held? That remains to be seen. I, I, I'm not sure exactly uh, how that's going to work, and I don't know, even know that that has been determined. Usually at that point, the judge makes a determination as to where he would serve his time. The Department of Corrections would also weigh in. Is 60 days an appropriate sentence for something like this? Well, you know, it just seems like it's not enough because all of the things that, you know, this, the suspect just really had all of the, the shooter uh, signs, right? He, he was suicidal. He had the neo-Nazi stuff that he was posting all over the place. He threatened to harm others. He threatened to shoot up a school. He was obsessed with knives and guns and daggers and machetes. I mean, he had all the warning signs, and yet the father still signed on for that gun. It's just, it's inconceivable. And it makes me angry. And 60 days hardly seems like enough. But again, um, the, the, when he bought him the gun, when he, when he signed for the gun, you know, that was when he was 19. When he did the shooting, he was 21. So conceivably, he could have gotten that gun on his own to shoot up the parade if that was really what his intention was. Karen, does this impact, I mean, when this case was first brought, it looked as if it could be a sort of a precedent center, I guess. And uh, given that there's now a plea agreement rather than a trial, does does that impact or change that at all? Um, it 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 doesn't set the precedent that would have been set had the case gone to trial, there would have been a win, and then there would have been an upholding on appeal. So a case precedent is really when there's an appeal and the appellate court says the judge did the right thing. Then it can be used in the future. I don't know. I mean, 
reckless conduct. That was the crime uh, that this guy was charged with. And reckless conduct, according to Illinois law, is an act that you do that endangers people or causes them great bodily harm. So clearly, you know, I think it's a, a clear statement that if you buy a gun or sign on to buy a minor a gun, knowing that he has all these violent tendencies, that that's reckless. Right. But I think it still could have been an appellate issue. And maybe uh, I'm going to predict that we're going to have the legislature actually enact some more specific laws about this very type of thing. Okay, let's talk about the Trump trial for a moment. Um, They say it's a last ditch effort. Sometimes lawyers will. Oh, let me see. How's how's it written that if when a defendant honestly believes he cannot possibly get a fair trial from the judge, one of the tactics is to antagonize the judge to a point of causing reversible errors. That's what celebrity lawyer Alan Dershowitz said of the strategy he believed that Trump's lawyers were using in court today. Do you think that's what they were doing? And will it work? I'm not buying that at all. Because, listen, this judge is going to be not only making a decision about whether or not the Trump organization and Trump is liable, because he's already basically made that decision prior to trial, but he's going to be deciding what the remedy is. He's going to be deciding if Trump gets to do business in New York, if Trump has to pay $250 million, if all the children are now banned from owning property in the city. So why would you antagonize the very person who has your business in his hand? I think that's ridiculous. And I really think that Trump just simply cannot be controlled. He's never been controlled. He's never had a real job where he's had to answer to a boss. You know, he's not a person that is, you know, it follows the rules, and I don't think his lawyers can control him. So, no, I, I, I don't buy into that this is a strategy, and I think if it is a strategy, it's a really dumb one. Sharon, can you explain a little bit, because you, you made reference to it there, uh, about what this proceeding actually is. Now, his one of his uh, defense attorneys came out during lunch break and said it was unfair because the judge had already decided that he was guilty before the trial began, but that was another proceeding, right? These are kind of two separate arms of one body? No, I, I think uh, my understanding is that the, the, the this is a civil lawsuit, so obviously it's not criminal. And the judge pre-trial made a ruling that Trump's representations about the values of certain properties was false, that those evaluations were false as a matter of law, meaning there was no, there was no evidence to the contrary. So if he said Mar-a-Lago is worth $500 million, and the only appraisals that were around that said that it was $18 million, I'm making those numbers up, then the judge said there was, there's no doubt that he lied. The question is, what's the remedy? But the judge, so, made that, but to, the, the judge made that ruling after hearing evidence, correct? Um, I, it, my understanding is it was based upon the paperwork. Okay, but There filings. was no contrary evidence anywhere on the record. So uh, there were certain allegations that, that he still needs to make determinations on. He decided that he needs to hear actual testimony about those, and that's why we have a trial. The judge actually, I mean, he had had it. He said, I beseech you to control him if you can. If you can't, I will. I will excuse him and draw every negative inference that I can. That's okay, interesting. So that's, that's That's very significant because that is a tool that a judge has. If a witness is not answering the question or is is not following the rules of the court, the judge can, as one of the last resorts, say that, Mr. Trump, if you're not answering the question, 
I get to presume that whatever the answer is, is a negative one to you. So that's a very significant um, uh, sanction. Uh, And the judge apparently didn't invoke that, but the judge could have. And he could order Trump to be put into put into a jail cell for the night. But obviously, that would be a huge win for Trump. And I almost feel like that's what he's pushing for. It almost felt like that, but that would get him some traction uh, in in the court of public opinion. Yeah, absolutely. What else can you say about what's happening and what happens if he continues to have outbursts? Well, it looks to me like the last thing I saw online was that he's off the stand, so he's done for now. Okay. Uh, I don't think he did his case any any uh, any good. I think it's going to be interesting to watch Ivanka testify because she seems to be a little bit more independent than the rest of the family, and I don't think she's going to want to throw herself under the bus here. Um, and again, remember, with all these people are testifying, this is not a criminal trial, but if they say something that's false, that's perjury. And you don't think that the state's attorney in New York would love to prosecute the Trumps again for and, perjury? I mean, it's just very, very perilous. Here. Karen, I just have so many questions here, and I know we're out of time, but did, was he compelled to testify? Could he have not testified? He could have taken the fifth, okay. but he would have been compelled to get up on the stand. Uh, and I think, in my view, he should have taken the fifth. Karen Conti, Conti and Dolan, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Take care.